0: It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in America. It's time for Dan and Daryl. Welcome back to Black and White and joining us today, and this is how she is called, Barbara from Harlem. And we're going to find out why. We're going to talk to her about her some of the issues that are concerning him one of them concerning her one of them is the jesse select case uh, in chicago so let's get started barbara welcome to black and white
1: well thank you so much for having me
0: our pleasure uh black and white is a program that's designed to increase the civility of communications between the races in the united states okay We have we have a a few simple rules, not that you'll you'll have a problem with it, but I always like to remind the audience. Whatever we talk about, whoever we talk about, the person we're talking with has a requirement that they have to be civil, have to be respectful, cannot use any racial slurs and cannot uh, morally attack any other person. They can share whatever they want as far as ideas, but we're having a civil conversation in 10 months every week three times a week we've never had to get rid of anybody and we suspect that maybe the people who want to disrupt the show by not complying are not not applying because we've told everybody if you start down that path you won't be on it very long because we'll cut you off so <clears throat> again that was for our listeners not necessarily for you so let's spend a few minutes talking about Barbara's story where did you come from
1: Well, I was born in the Bronx, but I was raised at 1831 Amsterdam Avenue, right in the heart of Harlem. That's where I get my name from, Barbara from Harlem, because I know Harlem, I love Harlem. And, um, you know, what I see now going on in my community, I'm not happy with. I see too much divisiveness. And that's why this uh, recent case with Jussie was so important because the jury did what they should have done with the evidence that was presented to them. I am sick and tired of all of this you know we are supposed to be so divided, so separate. We are all Americans. And I wasn't raised that way to um look at people because of the color of their skin. I'm in line with Dr. what Dr. King says the content of the characters more important than the color of one's skin. I went to school at PS 186 elementary school and we were were Italians. they were were Jewish people, Hispanics and we all came together as Americans. I was not raised to um, single people out because they looked a little different from me. We celebrated Polish people, German people, That's how I was raised. And that's how I believe God wants us to conduct ourselves.
0: So uh, living that life experience. Yes. (laughs) What caused it to change?
1: What caused it to change? Well, we have people out there. I want to be respectful, but um, call themselves um, pastors, men of God, and they promote, they live off, and they make money off of racial division. Uh, one I call Shop Tongue, the other one I call Slick Jackson. <laughs> and are we I, talking
0: about Sharpton and Jesse Jackson?
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't say it, you did.
0: <laughs> okay. Why were, let, let me ask you a question. Yes. Why were you reluctant to use their names?
1: Well, you know, I want to be respectful, but it's hard. I'm from New York, so it's very hard. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I, you know, th- these are some of the reasons why. We have the division in our communities. Also, there's Charlie Rangel. He's not in politics anymore, but I lived in I live in his district, the district he used to have. I used to be a member of his um, Democratic club. Right there on, on Lenox Avenue, and I know the rhetoric that was being handed out to the people. I know that they were being taught. They were being taught to hate people because of the color of their skin. They were taught to hate people because their ancestors may have had slaves. I heard it firsthand. I even had to, as a member of that club, attend a church. And um, the speaker was Hillary Clinton for the morning service. After she finished speaking, the pastor of this church on 132nd Street got up and said, that Hillary Clinton was the Moses for Black people. So what is that promoting, but hatred? What is that promoting, but divisiveness? And you see, I I realized what they were doing was making Black people into victims. And that's destroyed practically our communities and destroyed a lot of our families. They need victims for their platform. And Black people, because of the history of slavery, were the people that they chose to focus on, and it has worked.
0: But Barbara, what I don't understand- and like I'm white
1: not, people for every failure.
0: Well, what I don't understand is- Yes. The, as you explained earlier, the culture and the history of the Black race in this country before the 1960s was very productive
1: very productive.
0: So what happened to the people in the pews that they bought the story and abandoned the past?
1: Well, you you, you know, when you have uh, a lot of anger, resentment, abandonment, you're going to blame someone. You know, we have over 73% of Black children born without a father in the home. But so a lot of black children are growing up. They're, they're not validated. They're not affirmed. They don't even know who they are. I've seen birth certificates where father, where it says father, it, there's a blank.
0: Well, um yeah. the, the 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 thing that I have looked at many, many times uh-huh. is that in New York City, the number of abortions on black women are greater than the live birth numbers of black women in the Yes.
1: Rome. Yes. Why? Because they've convinced black women that it's just a blob. It's not a person and, and it's taken very lightly. Yes, you're absolutely right. We have more abortions of black babies than we have live births you're absolutely correct about that mm-hmm. but um you know I I went to my daughter encouraged me to go to college and get a degree back in what 2006 I think it was and to hear young women boast about abortion as if it was birth control they have convinced them that you're carrying nothing but nothing from nothing would leave nothing. how do babies come how do be people come to be if you if you're creating nothing so you know i could only talk with some of them because they were boasting about three and four abortions and thought it was light stuff but it'll come to them one day hmm. but the media and those who support abortion have um convinced them that it's just a blob of nothingness
0: how much of the convincing them barbara goes to your previous point of how many babies are born without fathers.
1: We do what we can. We ran an agency where we focused on not just school-aged children, but also the mothers to try to teach these mothers and those who will soon be mothers how to set goals, how to um, understand that you are a valuable person, even if you weren't validated by your parents or your father, whomever. And we did that for over 20 years, my sons and I, in particular, but my daughter's helped me also with this agency we started and um, right there in the heart of Harlem. And some of them I even have contact with even at this stage of life. And, um, you know, they're well grown, some of them are married. And uh, one of the young ladies, she even went to Atlanta and she was um, living with my other daughter. She's a real estate agent and she came through our program and her mother came through our program and her sister came through our program. So, you know, people have to take time with these women that have been abandoned, have unresolved anger, have to take time and teach them another way of life. You know, my agency used to get free birth control and I would just give it out. So we have to, you know, stop all of these abortions and killings of these babies because a lot of these women, after they get these abortions, they turn to drugs, they turn to an alternative lifestyle because, you know, their conscience is is hurting them
0: right right you know like yes you're, yes you're, there's
1: um it's a problem big yeah, problem
0: there's there's an issue of of um the role of the democratic party right. in um eugenics and, yeah and yet i've read read document after document book after book about how the Democrats uh, decided to set up the clinics in the in the black neighborhoods predominantly because yes. because of eugenics wanting to get rid of the black race. Yes, but that was Democrats who did that. Yes. So. Yes. Again, it's a puzzle. Yes. It's a puzzle <laughs> for me, Barbara. How how the blacks, <clears throat> if they study the history of, they don't. The, Oh, that's the problem. They don't study.
1: They don't. I have talked to so many black people and I said, you voted for whomever they voted for. I said, do you know that they support killing babies? Oh, I didn't know that. We're so busy with, um, with, with those little gadgets. We don't even study the history of this party. That has a history of racism from their inception. Right. And it's the oldest political party in the world. Yes, it is. The Democratic Party. They didn't, they don't even know that what the Republicans were formed. I think the Republican Party was formed in like 1870 to stop the spread of slavery and to bring the country together. And a lot of people don't even know that.
0: Yeah. Is it because we don't teach history in the schools anymore? Or that they, is correct. Or we
1: don't teach really teach black history in the school anymore. We don't, if we just taught even history, the truth of history, Mm -hmm. I think that some of this stuff would be exposed. And then the thing about it, we don't have anybody at home because, you know, some of the mothers are working who've been abandoned with these children and they they don't have a father. So the mother has to be whatever she can be to the children that she has. And um, nobody is taking the time to teach them the history. It's not being taught in school in some of these schools, as I said, my, I just went to college and graduated in 2006 or whatever. That wasn't an a, a institution of higher learning. It was an institution of intense propaganda. Mm. Intense propaganda. That's what Barbara, it was.
0: Okay, Barbara, we have to take a commercial break. But we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll be right back with Barbara from Harlem, continuing the discussion and we're gonna turn to uh, Jesse, swat and yes. talk to her about that. We'll be right back. Dan okay. Perkins, co host of Black and White Network, here to tell you about my latest book, Sad Eyes. This is a story of Mary Margaret Murphy, our red haired, green eyed, gorgeous Irish lass born in Waterloo, Iowa in 1916. Incredibly capable and talented woman who wants to make the world a better place. She knew at a very early age she didn't want to live in Waterloo, but she knew what she wanted to do and she wanted to be a nurse. She did her homework and found the best place to learn to be a nurse was in Chicago, Illinois. Side Eyes is her adventure, growing and maturing in the face of adversity to become a very powerful voice in the American military during World War II. But it's also about her personal life and finding the love of her life for a fleeting moment. Sad Eyes is available at HollisMedia.net, Amazon.com, and Barnes & Noble, and through your local bookstore. Enjoy the read. Welcome back. We're speaking with Barbara from Harlem. Yes, that's what she, what she likes to be called, Barbara from Harlem. Harlem. Yes. And we've been talking about what's been going on in the Black community and Black history and uh, yeah. why the Blacks are doing certain things. And we just she wanted to make sure that we spent some time on talking about Jesse and his case in Chicago. So tell us about what your thoughts are.
1: Well, my thoughts are let justice reign and it did. I am so proud of those who sat on that jury because it wasn't easy, it wasn't an easy job to look at the facts, gather the facts, gather the evidence and come come out with convicting him of five of the six charges he was charged with. It was not easy, just like it you know, so we have to um, salute our judicial system. We're not perfect, but we're pretty darn good and they were very brave. Um, you know, because our jurors now to um, decide a case, if um the left and the media wants certain results to to be produced. They intimidate them, they threaten them, just like they did with the Kyle Kyle Rittenhouse. They are known to do that. So for them to convict him, which he deserved it, because if you're trying to make Trump supporters look like they're nuts and come up with something as crazy as he did, like somebody's trying to lynch you and all of this, you deserve to be convicted. Now let's see. What time he has to spend in prison, and what's going to happen from this point. But I am elated.
0: Well, I agree with you uh, on the account of both cases. Yes, where the, where the the jury was clearly trying to be intimidated by the news media, yes. by the people outside protesting.
1: <clears throat> but they yes. stood up to the
0: table and did their decision. They did. based on the evidence, which says,, yes. at least for now, in most cases, the mayor jury system, seems to still want to work thank god and, uh yes thank god i i tried and i still have difficulty um barbara i don't understand i mean i've heard all the reasons why he did what he did but i i don't understand at all what he was trying to achieve you have any insight in that for me
1: This ugliness you know unfortunately the left they are in such darkness. They have dark hearts and dark minds. Their ideology is just an ideology of darkness. You can't comprehend it. You can't wrap your mind about it because you're not evil. These people are evil. These people are diabolical. These people are demonically controlled. They're, I call them godless heathens because they don't believe in God and they come up, they have vile imaginations. That was so insane, but he thought it would work and it backfired. And I'm so happy.
0: But let me just ask you one question about what you did Did it backfire or did, did the truth win?
1: Well, I think it's a little of both. It backfired because it exposed how insane they are. And the truth did win out because they got the evidence, just like with George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, the evidence and this jury looked at all of the evidence that was presented and came out with something that was logical and it let truth reign. What this man did was so bizarre. What he did was so unconscionable that he deserved to be found guilty. So, I think it's a mixture of both,
0: okay. Um, so you think that and there wasn't didn't seem to be from what I could tell and and perhaps the mainstream media didn't report it because the verdict was guilty. but yes. I didn't see I didn't see in Chicago any significant protest against the decision of the jury. did you?
1: No, I didn't. I'll be honest with you, um, even if there was one, I wouldn't want to see it because it's nullified. It means nothing. For him to get the support of uh, of people who we all know, that was supposed to be intimidation enough and that was supposed to sway the jury to ignore the truth and, and find him not guilty, but it reversed. They found him guilty because he is guilty.
0: Right. So when you think about the fact that he was guilty. Yes. And, and initially when the supposed attack took place, the mainstream media was very supportive of him. Yes. But but on the other hand, in the Wisconsin case, where Kyle was defending right. himself, they, the left had him crucified before he even went to trial.
1: That's how they work.
0: And when the jury of his peers acquitted him um first of all i didn't see any of the people like the vice president or the president who spoke out say anything about the the rule of law and how it worked but they basically criticized uh him uh before the trial took place and i think i'm not an attorney but i think there could be Joe Biden wasn't president at the time. Yes. And he wasn't vice president at the time. He was a private citizen. I suspect he has left himself open to um, libel suits. I understand you can't do that while he's a sitting president, but they can go after him afterwards. But um, it seems to me, and it's just an observation. I don't know how much credibility it has, but it seems to me that 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 justice has made a positive turn yes and and yes two out of two big high profile cases didn't go the way the democrats wanted it to to go no matter how much they tried to influence yes and so that means does that mean barbara that that people have to take more control by standing
1: up and 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 not taking a plea but fight for their rights? Amen. That's just what it means. It means we the people have to really stand tall, stand straight and stand firm. That's why I salute the juries that have been delivering what the media hates. They hate it. When the evidence shows the guilt or the innocence, if it's not their person that they're supporting, they hate the verdict. In other words, you you know what I mean. In other words, they were pushing for Jussie to be acquitted and they would have been, all the newspapers would have been given away free to celebrate that, but it didn't go their way. And they're very quiet, you know, I'm so glad that we had a president that called the news media what it is, fake news. And if it doesn't go their way, they're very quiet until they figure out another scheme.
0: They didn't have a fallback position on Jesse, did they? No, they
1: did not. No, they They did not. They didn't have a fallback position on. You're right, you're right. You know, I was glad when Trump said that because I used to work for a newspaper, New York newspaper. I worked for two in the 70s. And I knew they were lying when they, you got the paper in the morning. And I've never bought paper since then. <laughs> so I'm glad that Trump came out and finally called it what it is, fake news.
0: Hello, this is Dan Perkins, co-host of Black and White Network, here to tell you about my latest book, Sad Eyes, This is a story of Mary Margaret Murphy, our red-haired, green-eyed, gorgeous Irish lass born in Waterloo, Iowa in 1916. Incredibly capable and talented woman who wants to make the world a better place. She knew at a very early age she didn't want to live in Waterloo, but she knew what she wanted to do and she wanted to be a nurse. She did her homework and found the best place to learn to be a nurse was in Chicago, Illinois. Side Eyes is her adventure, growing and maturing in the face of adversity to become a very powerful voice in the American military during World War II. But it's also about her personal life and finding the love of her life for a fleeting moment. Sad Eyes is available at HollisMedia.net, Amazon.com, and Barnes & Noble, and through your local bookstore. Enjoy the read. It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in America. It's time for Dan and Daryl. If you are interested in reaching our vast Black and White Network audience with your products or services, then contact Hollis Media Group at 1-855-673-8635. That's 1-855-673-8635 for more information on this great opportunity.